Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Hiva, and it is the 150th episode of the Blush fucking podcast. Let's go. Um, Really, I mean, God, I really shouldn't have (laughs) spoiled this by talking about it last week, but... The past 50 episodes have really flown by. Like, I remember the lead up to 100. By the way, new chairs, if you're watching on video, the new chairs are in. The second chair is out of the video because, like, no one's sitting in it. Although I really, really did think about having my dog, Sam, sit in it because the entire time that I'm recording, she's trying to break into the recording studio. And I've experimented by letting her just stay in the room. But then she wants to leave the room and then she starts scratching at the door. It's like she doesn't understand that what we're doing here is very, very um, audio focused. And um, she really just wants to steal the spotlight uh, by scratching at the door. And we can't really let her do that. So where is I going with this? Oh, yeah, new chairs. The new chairs are here. They're very similar to the old chairs. I'll bite a lot cheaper. Is that how you pronounce I'll bite? That is a German word. That means although, I think, right? Does it mean although? Hold on, let me think about it. I'll bite, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, it kind of means although. And in German, you pronounce it I'll bite. Wait. No, that's not what it means in German. It means work. Oh my God, am I losing my mind? No, it means work. Arbeit. No, that's Arbeit with an R, not an L. Okay, this is like the least fun (laughs) way that I could have started this episode. So you're welcome. Um, Okay, yeah, in English it means even though, but I swear in German it means... Even. God, I'm such an idiot. Okay, whatever. We're (laughs) 150 episodes. I don't remember where I was going with this. No, I do remember, you know, the lead up to 100. It felt 100 felt so big, right? And hitting especially 100 was exactly 50 episodes that I had done in the solo pod era because the first 50 were with my former co-host. And so getting to 100 was this monumental thing. But then getting from 100 to 150 just like happened in the blink of an eye. Like I can't believe, and that's pretty much a year, right? I mean, we're talking um, 52 episodes in a year. I never miss a week, except I did take 4th of July week off because the 4th of July was on a Tuesday. And I just thought that it was the type of holiday where no one would listen. Like I I put episodes out on Christmas, on Thanksgiving, et cetera. But that's the one where I was like, "Ah, I don't know that people are going to listen. And I have to say, I really regret the decision. And from here on out, I really want to do no weeks off ever unless like I fucking, you know, die. I'm in the hospital. Sam dies. Oh, God. Although, I don't know. I think I can probably. Oh, God. We're not even going to talk about it. We're not even going to talk about it. I'm so aware of her impending mortality. So for anyone who's new, my dog, Samantha, is just like the absolute love of my life. <laughs> and um, she's 12 and a half. She's turning 13 in March. And she's not a small dog. So that's pretty like sh- she's got some years on her, you know. Um, yeah. OK, where are we going with this? I'm your host, Hiva. Did I say that? <laughs> this is like this podcast honestly should be used like in med school as 
<laughs> an illustration of what ADHD looks like. <laughs> they should use this in like middle school dare programs and be like, this girl used to be really, really smart and then she did a lot of drugs in her 20s and look at her now. Don't do drugs, kids. They kill your brain cells. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I have no idea where we were going with anything. So we're just gonna make a sharp left and do our weekly segment from the beginning of the week. We have two weekly segments now. We have word of the week at the beginning of the week and gratefuls at the end. Oh my God. Word of the week at the beginning of the episode and gratefuls at the end of the episode. And they both serve different purposes. Um, word of the week really is just, it's just to kind of make us all be a little better. Like who doesn't want to know more words and sound smarter? Now the key is they're not going to be like douchey words that you can just like throw into conversation to sound like a big douchebag. Like I hate when people use fancier words instead of a word that we already have. Like, I'll bite is a good example, right? Is that I don't even know how you pronounce it in English. We have another word for that. You can say even though. You can say even though. And everyone knows what even though means. Although the one caveat here is I'll bite is one word and even though is two words. And I will always support switching words if it means you can use fewer words. Okay, we don't need to get this deep into it. But really what the word of the week segment actually is, is just a weekly illustration at how weak my vocab is because they're never really hard words. But here's the thing. I like to use words that are words that you never think that you don't know the meaning of. But then like if I were to be like, hey, what does this mean? You might be like, wait, actually, like I don't really know. Like I've never been like, oh, I I don't understand this full sentence because of this one word's presence in it. It's never that situation. But if you really stop and think about it, you're like, wait, I actually like literally don't know what that means. Those are the types of words we like to do here. So... Um, without further ado, <laughs> this week's word is derisive. Now, this one I found in my book that I'm currently reading. I'm still reading The Guest List by Lucy Foley, and I'm really fucking loving it. I think I'm going to be done any minute, though. Truly, like it could be tonight. It could be tomorrow night. Um, Really just depends on how early I go to bed and how many times I wake up and if I want to read when I wake up, Um, because sometimes I do. Like I'll get up to pee and then I come back into bed and I'm like, well, I'm awake. So let me read a little bit more until I fall asleep and I use a red light as a reading light. It just clamps right onto the book. And so it's not like I have these like blue rays to stimulate me again and keep me up. So yeah, sometimes I do that. Sometimes I don't. I do wake up to pee a lot lately. Um, Okay, derisive. It means expressing contempt or ridicule. A harsh, derisive laugh. Ooh, I feel like we hear it in context of laugh a lot. What does it mean to be derisive? Expressing or causing contemptuous ridicule or scorn. Expressing or causing derision. Oh, God, I know I went on and on about this last week, so I'm not going to do it this week. But I fucking hate when people use a different tense of the word itself to define the word. Like, hello, no, we're not doing that. Also, the new chairs come. (laughs) I mean, we'll just have like... 
if you didn't know better, you would think that there's just really choppy editing or something. Like what? Like we were talking about the chairs a while ago. What are you talking about? But the new chairs have this um, cute little boucle pillow too that I can put on my lap while we record. Um, (laughs) Guys, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, anyway, the reason we started doing Word of the Week is because I remembered when I was in this era of my life, when I'd finished college and I just moved to D.C. and I was living in my big girl apartment by myself. And I remember I would walk to not even Barnes and Nobles. Do you guys remember what was the other bookstore? Border, Borders, Borders, Borders. Let me say it another six times. Borders, borders. I think it was borders, right? Do you guys remember that? There was like this other big bookstore. I know I'm bankrupt. Um, And now we pretty much, I mean, like who's reading books? Although I am reading books and I do read them like like I read literal physical paper books. Um, I'm not a Kindle girly yet. And financially, I manage this by going to the local public library, like guys, we have libraries, like don't sleep on libraries. Like they're sick. You can get any book for free. It's free. Also New York public libraries have eliminated late fees. So you literally can keep the book as long as you want. Like they should not have told me. Although I really am trying to be respectful of this because I think all in all, it's probably good because like think about who probably goes to the library. Like, you know, like, but we're not out here like capable of paying everything all the time. Sorry, I just noticed this tripod in front of me. One of the legs is not on the ground. So it's a little concerning. It's a little stressful. I really hope it doesn't fucking fall on me in the middle of recording. Anyway, I was in this phase of my life and I'd walk to borders every day. There was, I lived in um, the West End in DC, like in Foggy Bottom, you know, that kind of like Western, Northwestern part of Foggy Bottom. Um, That's where I lived. And I used to walk into Georgetown after work and like go to the borders. Like this was before I'd made friends and stuff. Um, So I'd like walk, it was over the summer. I'd walk to the borders and go to the self-help section and find all these books about how to be like your most radiant, glowing self and how to have like men fawning over you and people obsessed with you. And I laugh, but it's funny, like, because really when I think about my life as a whole, that's always been my obsession. Like I've always, always wanted to just be like the best version of myself and have the best of friends and have the best relationships. And like, it's never been I see people in wellness who are so into like longevity, for example, right? Like think of um, if you watched Parks and Rec, you know, um, oh my God, what's the really handsome guy's name? Chris something? Oh no, he's Chris on the show. What's his name? Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe's character on Parks and Rec is... Chris something, I think. Um, and he's like super health and wellnessy, right? But he, in his very first episode, he's he like has the talking head where he's like, yeah, um, the first person, they say the first person to who's going to live to 100 is already living. And I think that person could be me. Like his obsession with health and wellness really, really comes from this like longevity, wanting to live forever. Like it's fear of mortality, right? And I think a lot of people in wellness, that's where they're coming from. I think a lot of people in wellness 
had to care for someone who had some kind of like serious thing. Like I know a lot of people who had to care for a parent with Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that find their way into wellness because we actually know that these are these like neurogenerative um, diseases or neurodegenerative diseases are actually completely preventable. Like they're not like we used to think like Alzheimer's was genetic and if it's in your family, you're going to get it. But we now know that's completely untrue and it's actually a completely, completely preventable disease. Looking at my audio levels and I'm freaking out about them again. <laughs> no big deal, but we won't do this all episode this time. Um, we have these neurodegenerative diseases we know are completely preventable. So a lot of people come to wellness because of something like that or something they personally suffered with, gut, whatever, and they just like want to not feel like that. I've always come to wellness because I just want to be the best fucking version of myself. Like I want to have the most fun. I want to feel the best. I want to look my best. I want to have the best friendship dynamics. I want to have the best romantic relationship. I want to have the most fun. I want to have the best. Like that's, I just want to be the best version of myself in the now. It's not even a long-term thing for me. And I see the connection. Like I eat healthy because I feel better. Like I have more energy. I don't feel sluggish. I feel more like vibrant. Um, You know, I like a lot of how I eat is actually now to cater my gut health and to cater to proper elimination, especially now that I'm off of the magnesium. I have to be really mindful of that. Um, And that, again, is because I feel like a shit when I'm constipated and I feel fucking amazing when I'm not. And like, I want to look my best. I don't think there's anything wrong with admitting that we're allowed to want to look better. But really what underlies all of it is because it affects my fucking mood and I want to be the best version of myself. And maybe some people are just like born on this planet, you know, without depression. (laughs) And so they're just like in a good mood all the time, but that's not me. Like I'm so depression prone. And the biggest way that my depression comes out is irritability. Like I'm so cunty (laughs) if I'm not taking proper care of myself. So that's really where I come at this from. Okay. So back to that era of my life, I'd get all these self-help books and I just like wanted to the the best version of myself. And I remember there was one in particular that really, it was like a dating, like how to like do great at dating. And a lot of the advice was like, really like be worldly, be smart, be intellectual, like know things, like know how to pronounce things, no vocab, like don't show up like ditzy, like that kind of ditzy, like giggly stereotype, like be a well-rounded woman. And even though I think there's a lot wrong with a lot of these types of advice, I think there's a lot there too. And I touched on this a few weeks ago, um, how one of the books I read during that time, which was really outdated even at that time, was The Rules. And how there it was like so referenced in pop culture back in like the 90s and early aughts. Like, oh, are you a rules girl? Like I remember even was it in Seventh Heaven or some kind of show like that where someone asked someone out and the person said no. Oh, my God. It may have even been in the Brady Bunch, which, again, I really am too young for. But I've seen an episode here or there where someone said no to a date because 
the guy had asked too soon, like to that, like he asked her out for like Friday or Saturday night on like a Thursday or something. And so she said no, because it's against the rules. Like there are like in the rules, the dating rules book, there are all these rules you have to follow to like whatever, like lock down a guy. And so I've been thinking about it ever since I brought it up the other day. And then last week, someone asked a question in the Q&A episode about like how they basically hate their boyfriend. (laughs) I mean, that wasn't it, but it was like, I literally can't stand him. Like, what should I do? And I was like, that doesn't seem like a good sign. Like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but um, but uh, where is I going? So I was thinking how there's this one like dating piece of dating advice or dating rule that has been out there that I think is the fucking stupidest thing out there. And it's when people say like, oh, find someone who loves you more than you love them. And it's this is advice that we specifically like to give to women like, oh, he should love you more than you love him or something like that. And it's really premised on this notion of that like men are by nature philanderers and like men can't commit and so like men will always leave you if given the chance. And so you have to find someone who's like way more obsessed with you to even out the scales or whatever. And I think it's fucking stupid. Like why would you ever want a relationship? Like there's nothing that feels as good as like being so into someone. Why would you deprive yourself of that feeling? That's fucking crazy. Um, But then I was thinking about other rules that I think are bullshit. And then I was like, wait, let's look at the actual rules from the book. This was written in 1995. Let's go down the fucking list and let's unpack it. And I tried to get my hands on a physical copy of the book, but it's actually like really fucking hard. Like they don't have it at the New York Public Libraries. I think like the Roosevelt Island location had it and I couldn't get it um, transferred to me in time. And I really didn't want to buy it because like A, I bought it already in 2010 and I think it's bullshit and so I don't want to support the book twice you know so I didn't buy it but I found a list of the rules and I vaguely remember from reading it and um and uh sorry I took out my phone to look at the rules and now I found all this other bullshit um but yeah um so I'm just going to go through. There are 35 rules in the book. Now, some of them, whatever, like I'm not going to remember the gist of it that much. Some of them are a little more like self-explanatory. Some of them are a little more vague. The ones that are more vague, I try to um, like do a little bit of independent research on and figure out what it was referring to. And we're going to unpack them. Okay, rule number one is be a quote-unquote creature unlike any other. Now, I don't know what the fuck this means, and I couldn't quite remember, so I did some research, and I found this excerpt from Rule 1, and I'm just going to read it to you because for whatever fucking reason, I constantly find ways on this podcast to 
um, to like read out loud when I'm so terrible at reading out loud. So like, I don't know why I do this to myself, but whatever. Okay. This is from rule one. Being a creature unlike any other is really an attitude, a sense of confidence and radiance that permeates your being from head to toe. It's the way you smile, you light up the room, pause between sentences, you don't babble on and on out of nervousness. You know what? Go fuck yourself. This feels like a personal attack. You listen attentively, look demurely, never stare, breathe slowly, stand straight, and walk briskly with your shoulders back. I just pulled my shoulders back as I read it. It doesn't matter if you're not a beauty queen that you never finished college or that you don't keep up with current events. You still think you're enough. You have more confidence than women with MBAs or money in the bank. You don't grovel. You're not desperate or anxious. You don't date men who don't want you. You trust in the abundance and goodness of the universe. If not him, someone better, you say. You don't settle. You don't chase anyone. You don't use sex to make men love you. You believe in love and marriage. You're not cynical. You don't go out you don't go to pieces when a relationship doesn't work out. Instead, you get a manicure and you go out on another date or to a single stance. What the fuck is a single stance? Like, full stop. What the fuck is a single stance? Um, you're an optimist. You brush away a tear so that it doesn't smudge your makeup and you move on. Of course, that is not how you really feel. This is how you pretend you feel until it feels real. You act as if. Okay. Now, surprisingly, I don't really hate rule number one. I think that there are some good elements in it, right? I like that idea of just that radiating confidence. What I have an issue with, with rule one, and I I suspect this is what I'm going to have an issue with, with all of these rules, is that it's an act. It's not real. And that, like, you can only hold up an act for so long. Like, yes, you can, when a relationship doesn't work out, be like, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, and just like pretend you're fine and distract yourself by going on dates with new people and going out with your friends and getting hammered and just like not really processing things. And that is one way to do things, but you're just delaying it. It's kind of like um, people who like doing a hair of the dog situation when they're hungover. Like you wake up, you're super hungover, you make a drink and you're like, oh my God, the hangover is gone. Yeah, it's gone because you're drunk again because you had enough alcohol in your system that that one drink put you back into being drunk and that's fine you're you're not going to feel the hangover and that is one way to do things the problem is you're just delaying the hangover so unless you're planning on just continuing to drink until <laughs> the moment that you die all that you're doing is making the hangover worse when you actually face it and it's the same thing here if you're not actually processing your emotions processing how you feel about things and you're just numbing through going out with new people and just you know, getting shit faced with your friends or picking up like some kind of like new hobby that you become so immersed in that you're using it to numb yourself, whatever your numbing strategy is, all you're doing is delaying when you actually feel the pain. And it's also snowballing. So when you do actually feel that pain or when you do actually experience the hangover, it's going to be so much worse than it would have been if you just faced it in the first place. And, I, and listen, I like the idea of building yourself up to get to a place 
where you are that quote unquote creature unlike any other, but it doesn't come from just pretending you're there. It comes from doing that inner work, getting rid of the things that stand in the way of you actually being that quote unquote creature unlike any other. But on all in all, rule number one doesn't bother me so much. Okay, let's move on to rule number two. Um, don't talk to a man first and don't ask him to dance. Okay, I assume this is referring to the singles dances. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I disagree with this one. I talk to men first. You know, I think a lot of what's going to be in this book, my guess, I really can't remember. I did give it a little glance. But from, you know, what I vaguely remember the energy of this and just knowing the time period and from the brief glance that I've given is there's going to be a lot of like gender based, gender normative role stuff like, you know, the make the man chase you type of narrative men are natural hunters and they need the chase, yada, yada. And I think the other part of it is going to be a lot of like pretending that you are this like cool, confident person. Um, okay. So the gender stuff, I don't have a ton to say on, like, I'm not like a gender studies expert. Everything that I know from researching gender and sex and these things is that biologically speaking, men and women are actually quite similar. Where a lot of the differences come from is how we're raised in society. And so a lot of like what our differences and our experience are, are really socially ingrained differences. I don't think that there's this like big, like men, rah, rah, hunter, uh, you know, alpha, this. And I, I think that like biological thing is actually like pretty flawed. Again, I'm not an expert. I don't know. But from the research I've done, that seems to be the case. But I do think this whole like making a man cheese for you narrative really is ultimately coming from that no one enjoys desperate energy. And so that's really what we're getting at. But I have to say, I really disagree with the don't talk to a man first. I'm a big, big, big advocate and proponent of approach men, talk to men, start conversation. Now, I don't think you should be doing it every time. Like, I don't think like you should constantly be initiating things with someone. And I think that's true regardless of the gender situation. I think there should be a lot of give and take, push and pull. Like, I think that's that's what life is. That's what conversation is. That's what human dynamics are. But I, I I don't know. I'm a big fan of approaching a guy first. And I also think that that, like, you know, there's people who are like, well, you know, if you're not in your feminine, then you're not going to get like an alpha protector male. And I'm like, cool, that's like literally not what I want. Like it's 2023. Like I don't, I'm not like being attacked by bears. Like I don't need someone to like shield me from that shit. Like I actually am like pretty self-sufficient. What I want is an equal and a partner, someone who's going to like meet me in life and show the fuck up. I want someone who's going to do like the household stuff with me. I want someone who's going to properly help raise a kid with me. Like I don't want that alpha macho disgusting attitude. So I don't know. I mean like take what you want, leave what you want. I don't have terribly strong feelings on this, but personally, it's a no for me on this one. Rule number three, don't stare at men or talk too much. Okay, fuck all of this. Except I will say one little caveat on talking too much. 
yeah, don't talk too much. And I know that's rich coming from me. And like, all I do is like, yap, 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 yap all day long. Um, and listen, I wish I was like a little more demure and mysterious and like could talk a little bit less. There is something to be said for not monopolizing every conversation that you're in and for actually engaging with people around you and like having give and take and asking questions like nothing makes people like you more than like fucking asking questions and listening. So I I do think there is something to that. But again, I think that when we just say that we're overlooking the fact that over talking usually comes from nervousness and insecurity. And I think there's so much more value to address these underlying things, like especially the insecurity. Like that's where I see it a lot that people really over talk tend to be people who actually are like really, really insecure and they're using the over talking to kind of like overcompensate for that. Like they'll talk about topics that they're comfortable with. Like I have this friend who like nonstop talks about politics and I realize it's be, it's like not because she's a bad person or she doesn't care that no one else gives a shit. It's because I think she's actually really, really insecure. And this is an area where she's really knowledgeable and she's really confident. So she can talk about this and it like allows her to not feel that anxiety and insecurity. So I just think it's so much more valuable to address the underlying, the root cause instead of addressing these symptoms. But whatever. I don't know what don't stare at men means. Like I don't fucking stare at men. Are you kidding me? If you're at a bar and you want a guy's attention, like you want to get this guy to approach you, talk to you, or you want to start conversation or whatever, fucking stare at that dude. Hold eye contact until it's slightly uncomfortable and then smile. Stare at men. Okay, you heard it here first. It's a blush exclusive. Um, (laughs) Rule number four, don't meet him halfway. I mean, strong start to this one or go Dutch on a date. Okay, I think we're going back to these um, gender norms things. Now, personally, I am not a fan of a guy who will accept your offer to go Dutch on a date. Um, There are a number of reasons for this. It's not really because I'm like really fuck with traditional gender roles or whatever. Um, You know, there's like a big gender wage gap in society and also men are our natural predators. And so (laughs) I just find that the least they could do is pick up the first check. Now, long term in a really in a heterosexual relationship, I think it's normal to just kind of alternate who pays for what and things like that. Um, And I also think that there's room for like if one person in a relationship is out earning the other by far, I do think that they should be like chipping in more. I just think that's like kind of what's fair regardless of the gender situation. But personally, as a heterosexual female, I was not a fan of a man who would accept my offer to split the check. And in fact, I used to always offer and then I just like stopped offering because I was like, nah, like that's that's not where this is at. Like you asked me out, you wanted to go out. Like if you want to go out with me, the least you can do is pick up the check the first time. Again, it's not like we're talking like every time, like down the line, I think you should be splitting. But the first time, that's just where I'm at. I don't really have strong feelings about it for other people though. This is my favorite. Rule number five, don't call him and rarely return his calls. 
like, okay, so were you just like never talking? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> like, don't call him and rarely return his calls. Now, this is like the definition of playing games. This is literally like the dictionary definition of playing games. Um, I, I believe their intention is so that you, ooh, why did I have the zipper side facing out for this? Ugh, God. Um, sorry, if you're just listening on audio, something with the pillow, it's not important. Okay. Um, I believe the intention of this is so that you like don't seem like desperate and clingy and like whatever, but that's that's just such an arbitrary way of going about it. And it's like what rarely return his calls. No, like if you literally never call him and rarely return his calls, he's going to think you're not interested. Now, what I will say, I think in the early stages of dating, you should be spending very little time. I'm talking through electronics and really like the most of the time that you're talking should be in person. I think phone calls and texting should primarily be used for scheduling your next date. And then like maybe if you want to send each other something funny here or there, like a meme or something like that, that's fine. But I think that in the early stages, really, like you should be talking to schedule your next date unless you're like physically separated for a period of time. Like that's really like other than that, I don't think you really need to be like on the phone. Like we're not like fucking like 13 year olds in middle school, like talking to our boyfriends all night. Like that's not, you know what I mean? Like that, that's, that's a blush rule right there. Okay. Um, number six, always end phone calls first. And I believe specifically they say never stay on the phone for more than 15 minutes. Now, I don't mind the never stay on the phone for more than 15 minutes because, again, I don't think we need to be talking so much. Like, it's just like it's it's too much. Like, the whole point is to see if you get along in person. Always end the phone. Like, this is just it's such gimmicky, forced rules to try to show that you're like so busy and worldly and this and that. And it's just like, I just don't fuck with this type of fakeness. Like I'm going to have the same commentary for all of the rules. Um, Number seven, don't accept a Saturday night date after Wednesday. I, I get it. I get what they're trying to accomplish. What they're trying to accomplish is to not look desperate, not look like you're waiting around for him, look like you have like this vibrant full life and like, you know, he's lucky if he can fit into it and like you're fine without him and you're not desperate for a man's and like whatever. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's just so arbitrary and forced and also like, I don't think it's the way of the world anymore. Like, I love making last minute plans in part because, like, I never really know how I'm going to feel the day of. So, like, I fucking hate committing to shit ahead of time. I love making last minute plans with people. Like, it's, 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 I don't know. Like, I would love nothing more now that I think about it, like in the early days of dating Ozzy. And I was kind of psycho about this in the beginning, beginning when we were seeing each other because I was so anxiously attached and I was so desperate and I was so needy. I think like a lot of these rules were still rattling around in my brain. And so I would kind of act on them. So I remember like he would like hit me up and be like, hey, want to go get a drink tomorrow? And I'd be like, sorry, I already have plans. I didn't. 
I didn't, but like it's it's like I now see it was that programming from shit, like the rules, probably the rules themselves, because I did read them back in the day. Um, like it's so fucking crazy. And like now that I look back on it, I wish I had ever been like, like I wish she had ever been like, yo, what are you doing? Do you want to like go do this? And I'd be like, yeah. And he'd like rock up and pick me up. Like how spontaneous and fun does that sound? Like I just don't think that pretending to be someone who's like not needy and desperate is the way to be not needy and desperate. I think like work through the shit that makes you needy and desperate and then don't even pay attention to like what you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to and the timing and this. You don't need to play all these games if you actually are not needy and desperate, you know? Like these these rules are like ways for a needy and desperate person to LARP as someone who's secure and confident when they're actually not. Okay, rule number eight. Fill up your time before the date. Okay, this is another one that I did some research in. And basically what they say is have stuff planned for the day of your date. So you're not just spending all day like anticipating the date and like thinking about it. Like it should just be another thing that you're doing. Like if you were to go get a drink with a girlfriend, like you wouldn't be like thinking about it all day. Like you wouldn't have like all this weight on it. I like this rule. I like this rule. I didn't see this coming, but I actually like this one. I, I think it's a good one. Like I, I I think there's something to be said. I think you should treat your first, second, third, fourth, whatever date with someone new the same way you would treat it like if you were to grab lunch with a friend of yours. So like you would put some level of effort in, but you also would not be treating it like you're going to the fucking Met Ball, you know, like you're spending the entire week leading up to it getting ready like you wouldn't be getting glam like you wouldn't be getting a blowout you know like you wouldn't be starving yourself in anticipation you wouldn't be going to the gym twice a day the week leading up to it like you wouldn't have a fucking stylist pick out your outfit like you wouldn't be doing all this shit it's it's not that deep and I think that that's the energy that you should bring to a date and so if having stuff scheduled leading up to the date helps you do that by all means you know but I I, I do like that job general energetic behind it. Okay, rule number nine. Uh, how to act on dates one, two, and three. And then rule number 10 is how to act on dates four through commitment. Obviously, I don't have the copy on this, so I don't know, but there's more dates. So we're just going to go to the next one. Oh, there's more rules. Sorry. So we're just going to go to the next one. Always end the date first. Okay, so this is similar to the always get off the phone first and the <laughs> never call him and rarely return his calls. It's like, like how is the relationship supposed to move forward if you're literally ignoring him? Like it's like I'm just picturing like he calls you on a Monday you ignore the call you don't call back he calls you on a Tuesday you ignore the call don't call back he calls you on Wednesday you miss the call you don't call back Thursday you actually end up talking and he like asks you out for Saturday and you're like no sorry I have plans because it's past Wednesday and it's like well of course you're not gonna be able to actually meet up with this person if you're gonna ignore him this much sorry I forgot I'll always end the date first 
it's fucking stupid. Again, it's it's the same energy. You're trying to find arbitrary ways to seem like you're like so worldly and cool and like social and popular and this and that. And you're like this it girl. But like no amount of you trying to pretend to be an it girl is going to make you feel like an it girl and is actually going to come off to this other person like you are an it girl. So like, fuck that. I don't, it's so arbitrary. Now, thinking back on it, I probably do tend to end dates first, but that's just because like I fucking want to go home, you know, like I have a social capacity. Um, But you know what I love? Like I love people who are just down for a good time. Like I'm not one of those people most of the time, but um, I love people, you know, like people you go out with who are just like, yes, people you're like, want to go to this next spot? And they're like, yes. And you're like, want to like get a shot? Yes. Like want to do this? Yes. Like those are like fun ass people. And so I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think it's like a lot more fun to just be a yes person than to like, like, sh- I, I, I don't know. Just, I don't know. Just fucking go with the flow. Like, I don't, I don't think we need a rule about who ends the date first. Like that's, that's stupid. Okay. Um, stop dating him if he doesn't buy you a romantic gift for your birthday or Valentine's Day. What the fuck is a romantic gift? Like, I think romance is so, um, subjective and what I, like, I don't like, I mean, I told this whole story a few episodes ago in the ick, the ick episode. It's called like demystifying the ick, yada, yada, um, of when I was in high school and I had this boyfriend and I went over to his place for Valentine's Day and there were like rose petals everywhere, romantic music playing, and he was wearing a suit and how I like truly, truly was not okay and had like a very, very difficult time with this forced display of romanticism and um like that's not like I that is so fucking not my thing what I would much rather I actually really don't like gifts it's something interesting about me like literally even you know the five love languages quiz like I've done that quiz multiple times and I get a zero for gifts I don't like gifts I'm so particular about the things that I like And I don't like having things that I don't like. Like, okay, between you and me, my sister-in-law loves to send me shit for like my birthday and my Christmas. (laughs) Like, how dare she? What a monster. But she's like a gifts person. Like she likes gifts. And so especially for Christmas, it's like she even if I say like I want this one thing, she'll still want to get me like stocking stuffers and things like that and just have like lots of little gifts. And like that's cool. But like I fucking hate gifts and it stresses me out so much because I don't like having things that I don't love. And so like if I like I just want everything that I own, I want to be obsessed with. Like, I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be obsessed and I want to have less shit. And so I just fucking hate gifts. It like stresses me out because like, what if I don't love it? And then I hate like 
what essentially this does is it makes you want to interpret how a person feels about you based on the gifts that they give you. And the thing is like some people are really good at giving gifts and some people are not very good at giving gifts. And I honestly think it means exceptionally little about how they feel about you. And I think that we need to stop interpreting things like this. And also there is a tremendous amount of dead weight loss in society because of gifts. Dead weight loss is like really what it sounds like. It's like loss that can't be recuperated. Like it's like money that we may as well as a society be throwing down the garbage. And it's like in the billions maybe of like the amount of loss that we have because we're, we have this culture of giving each other gifts for, you know, holidays and birthdays and anniversaries and shit like that. The problem is like if everyone was just buying themselves what they wanted and not buying other people things, we as a society would be a lot wealthier, like our GDP would be higher and everyone would be happier because we'd have the things that we wanted. So I really am like a big anti-gift advocate. Now, if you really like receiving gifts, whatever, I don't know, like, I don't know, but I don't think like we should be interpreting how someone feels about us based on this like one arbitrary skill. So yeah, I really, this rule is a hard, hard no for me. Okay, next one. Don't see him more than once or twice a week. Okay, by the way, another way of wording that would be don't see him more than twice a week because twice is more than once a week. So like you're already negating yourself. Um, I don't hate this rule. Again, it's like kind of arbitrary, but I do think that in the beginning stages of getting to know someone, I think that there's a lot of value in not like going too fast and instead like really taking your time and being methodical with getting to know them. And like, I actually think seeing someone twice a week in the beginning, so it's, it's arbitrary, it's whatever. And it's, it's there, there's, you know, like ways, like there are, there are times where maybe like you would see someone a third time in a week because of something like, let's say you have concert tickets or something or something's going on. And there are times where like they might be traveling and it's zero times that week. But I really do think that there is a lot of value in taking it slow and really just like letting things unfold in a slow way. When I started seeing Ozzy, like after he came back from Australia, after I broke up with Van Guy. Um, we probably were hanging out like twice a week and then it became three nights a week and then it became four nights a week. It was really drawn out until um, then like a year and we were living together, right? So, but it really unfolded very naturally and very slowly and it was it was a really, really good pace. It's actually like one of the first times in my life, I would say, where I've really taken things at a really good pace with a guy. Like I think it evolved naturally and great, but it like it wasn't too much. And it also was it was just the right pace. So I, I do think there's something to that. I, th- I, th- I think that's a pretty good one. I don't hate that one. OK, um, no more than casual kissing on the first date. And hold on, I'm going to handle the next one uh, with it because they're kind of the same energy. Uh, The next one is don't rush into sex and other rules for intimacy. Okay, so here's the thing. 
And this was in that blurb that I read from like be a creature unlike any other. Their thing is like, don't use sex to make someone fall for you. Completely, completely, completely agree with that. But I think the flip side of the coin is using withholding sex to make someone fall for you, which I also think that you shouldn't do. I think the timing of your first intimate encounter in a dating situation should come from when you feel ready and comfortable enough and want to go there. It should not be given as a means to get someone to like be more into you. And it also should not be withheld as a means to get someone to be more into you. It should just just be about the physical intimacy and no other strategic games of achieving some other outcome. And I don't think that you're ever going to succeed in that. So I, I listen, in general, I think there's value in waiting for a lot of reasons that have nothing to do with like trying to trap someone or worrying that they're losing interest after sex or things like that. I just think sex is better when you wait and when you're really comfortable with someone. And I was thinking about this the other day when I was in the middle of riding my boyfriend, Ozzy. (laughs) I was thinking about this. I used to really think of sex as like a way that I can kind of like hook a guy like a it would be like me withholding sex until he's like just absolutely dying in love with me obsessed with me like can't get enough of me and then we have sex and then when we do finally have sex I blow his mind by being so good at it that he's like holy shit like I cannot get enough of this girl like I'm so obsessed with her I'm so in love with her like that's really what I was trying to achieve via sex and all of my focus with sex was always on like how can I blow his mind and how can I be like really like just like so like slutty and dirty and just like he doesn't see it coming and that like lady in the sheets and a uh, lady in the sheets lady in the streets and a freak in the sheets like that type of mentality that was always my thing and I was thinking about this the other day when I was literally in the middle of riding Ozzy and I was like holy shit like when we have sex my entire focus in the beginning is on myself finishing, which is so different from my historic experience, which is like, how can I blow his mind and be over the top and be like the best sex he's ever had? Like now it's literally my sole focus is on like what feels good for me and like me finishing because I always finish first. And then I focus more on him. And that's not to say I like completely ignore him because that's not great either. I mean, obviously I wanted to be symbiotic and I wanted to be good for both of us and I want to feel really connected, but it's, it's so not this like what it used to be for me, like where, you know, I remember like before I'd ever had sex, I just like read Cosmo magazines and read like 65 tips to give the best blowjob ever and like shit like that, because like I really thought that I needed all these like tricks and rules and like ways of like getting men to be so into me when that's not what it's about, guys. Like it's just not. Okay, next roll. I'm going to have to kind of pick up the pace. I mean, I can't really see the time, but I think it's been a minute. Okay. Um, Don't tell him what to do. 
Um, yeah, that's a hard pass for me. Like literally all I do is tell my boyfriend what to do. And I think like men are idiots and they'd be lost without us. But like if you're dating women, don't tell them what to do because women are smart and they already know. No, like what the fuck does this mean? Like, go fuck yourself. This is such outdated gender bullshit. Like ooh, men like to feel independent and like men are natural hunters and men are natural alphas and men blah, blah, blah. And like make him feel like a man. No, tell them what to fucking do and be, be nice about it. Like, be nice about it. But also, like, if that's not in your nature, then don't. Like, I just am kind of a bossy person and I'm unapologetic for that. And like, fuck that. I'm going to tell my mans what to do all day long. Okay. Um, Let him take the lead. Same thing. Same, same exact commentary. Don't expect a man to change or try to change him. This I love. This I actually fucking love. Now, that's not to say that people don't change or like men can't change or like people can't change or no. People change all the fucking time. I've changed a hell of a lot as a person, but people only change for themselves. Don't ever expect to be able to get someone, anyone, regardless of gender, regardless of the type of relationship that you have to change. They'll change when they want to change. And that is when the pain of continuing the way that they are starts to exceed the pain of initiating a change. They're not going to change until that. And no amount of like you doing anything is going to get them to change. So I fully co-sign this rule. I fucking love it. Don't open up too fast. This one kind of slaps too, but again, I think it's important to look at why we open up too fast. The reason that people tend to open up too fast, especially in like romantic dating situations, this tends to be something that people with anxious attachment do. It's a way of forging intimacy before you're actually that intimate. It's a way of, you know, trying to get the security of intimacy, um, to alleviate the anxiety that you're feeling without actually letting it unfold and happen naturally. So I do co-sign this rule, but I do think that, again, it comes back to let's look at the underlying cause instead of trying to just eliminate the symptom. The underlying cause really is that anxious attachment. It also sometimes happens with codependence. So instead of focusing on the symptom, focus on the root cause, which is that anxious attachment, and focus on moving towards secure attachment instead of coming up with these arbitrary rules. Really, that's my commentary for all of this. Um, be honest, but mysterious. Okay. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the it's the same shit. I don't like, I don't hate it. Like, yeah, be honest, but you don't have to, I think by be mysterious, they're saying like, you don't have to divulge everything immediately. Um, and that's fine. Like, but I have a feeling there's like more toxic gameplay elements to this on the surface, like, yeah, like, but like, don't force yourself to be mysterious. Again, like focus on becoming an actually more confident and secure person such that you don't feel the need to be oversharing, but like definitely be honest. That's a good one. Accentuate the positive and other rules for personal ads. Okay, I don't know what personal ads are, and I the, it seems like this is like plugging a different book that they have within the series. I don't um no, don't live with a man or leave your things at his apartment. Um, well, obviously this is a hard no for me as someone who lives with my man's. Um, yeah, 
<laughs> it's 2023. Like there's rampant inflation. Like it's financially, it often makes sense to live with someone. But I do think there's value in taking your time and not rushing moving in. But like leave your shit at his place. Are you fucking kidding me? Who has time to lug shit around? No. Okay, next rule. Don't date a married man. Yes, that's a great one. That's that's cut and dry, case closed, or married woman or married non-binary person, I guess, unless they're in an open marriage and their partner's fine with it. And then really ask yourself, is this what you actually want? Like I have a friend who is dating this guy who is married in an open marriage and like she she's met the wife, like they've talked and she is still dating other people too too. Like he's just into that non-monogamous thing. And I've met him. He's really cool. Um, did it make me really uncomfortable when he was talking about the house that he shares with his wife? Yes. Um, and the thing is like, I don't know, so far so good, but I think that my friend is going to find that she doesn't really want this. Like I bet that she actually wants someone who's really going to commit to her. So I don't know, but yeah, don't (laughs) definitely don't date people who are in allegedly monogamous relationships. Um, Slowly involve him in your family and other rules for women with children. Okay, so women with children, whatever, let's just put that aside. Again, they were like plugging what seems like a spinoff book um, or like another book in the franchise or whatever. But I, yes, be slow and intentional with how you integrate someone that you're dating into your life. I think that's great advice, whether you have kids or not. Like they don't need to meet your parents on date two, but they probably should meet your parents by like, you know, date 200. Um yeah, I, I think that that's like the same thing with like the number of times that you see each other. I think that you should experience all these various milestones in in an orderly fashion. I don't know, like like just well-timed. You know, I remember saying this to my ex, the comedian. I like remember thinking of this after we had broken up and it's someone, he's someone who really needs this advice because he tends to rush into things. I think dating and courtship is like, climbing a beautiful long staircase and each step is a different milestone right it's like the first swipe the first text the first date the first kiss uh, the second date the you know like whatever the first kiss with tongue the first time you fool around but don't have sex the first time you have sex the meeting friends meeting parents there's all these different milestones they're all different steps and we have a tendency to want to run up the staircase because like climbing stairs is like kind of sometimes hard. Like it's not like you really have to use your glutes, you use your quads, like you really should be using your core so that you're stable and not like wobbling off the staircase. Like there is this desire sometimes to want to like rush up the steps because like there's a little bit of uncertainty as you're going through all these milestones. And so sometimes like it feels good. It alleviates that anxiety to rush up the stairs. But the thing is, once you're at the top, there's nowhere left to go. You're either just going to be there kind of, or you're going to fall off the staircase and start over with someone else. Like there's no 
point in rushing through anything. Just like take your time, really savor and enjoy each step. That's my two cents on that. Okay. Um, practice, practice, practice. Okay. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Next one. Um, even if you're engaged or married, you still need the rules. See, like this sounds fucking exhausting. Basically, what they're saying is like from now until the day that you die, you have to pretend to be this person that you're actually not. And the thing is, like, no amount of you pretending to be this person is going to get you to be this person. And in fact, I think it's going to push you further and further away from being this person because an actually confident and secure person isn't out here creating rules and games and things like that. And someone who is creating rules and games is someone who's not secure and confident. And so, I think by behaving like someone who's not secure and confident, you're just going to get further and further away from being secure and confident. And instead, you can do the inner work to be secure and confident. And then you don't have to play these rules, uh, games, excuse me, but they are games anymore. Um, do the rules even when your friends and parents thinks it, think it's nuts. I mean, this is how cults speak, but whatever. Um, be smart and other rules for dating in high school. I don't know. Uh, take care of yourself and other rules for dating in college. Yeah, I, I, like the, it seems like the rest of these are just plugging their offshoots. Next, and other rules for da- dealing with a rejection. I mean, we already know from that blurb that I read in the beginning that they're really a fan of just like pretending that you're not hurt after a breakup and just immediately start dating again, which I so don't co-sign, but I already addressed it. Don't discuss the rules with your therapist. That is like maybe the biggest red flag I've ever heard in my entire life. Like... ever about anything ever, ever. If anyone, anyone ever says to you in any context in life ever to not discuss this with your therapist, run, run. If someone's trying to sell you something and they tell you to not talk about it with your therapist, run. If someone, if something happens in an interpersonal relationship and they tell you not to talk to your therapist, run. If you get in a fight with someone, they tell you not to talk, run, 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 run. Talk about everything, everything with your therapist and your lawyer, okay? These are relationships where you should be talking about everything. And anyone who tells you not to talk about these things with those people is definitely trying to fuck you over in some way. Run. That is psychotic. Like it is like, I cannot believe that's in print and they are not in jail. Okay. Moving right along. Um, don't break the rules. I mean, obviously I disagree with that. I think you should break most of these rules. Um, do the rules and you'll live happily. Okay. Whatever. Um, love only those who love you. That I actually like. Like, I think that they're really speaking to the people, those of us who've been like doormats in dating and really, excuse me, those of us who've been doormats in dating and other 
you know, relationship dynamics who are overgiving, overperforming. And this is not just for romantic relationships. I think this is really great for other types of relationships too. Don't overgive and overperform in situations where people aren't giving it back to you. Love the people who love you. That's I think that's pretty good advice. Uh, who would have thought the same people who told you not to discuss this with your therapist are also telling you some really good advice, but I think that's pretty good. And the very last rule, be easy to live with. <sighs> I, I, listen, I think this is great, but this goes back to that same thing. And you know what? This is what I have to say about these rules in general. They're advocating for you to pretend to be this really cool, confident, secure person. And the rules are just a way of trying to LARP being this cool, confident, secure person. But the thing is, there are no rules. There are no games. There are no hacks that can get you to be a confident and secure person. We are all born as confident and secure people. And it is our life experiences. It is pain, shame, and trauma that takes away that confidence and that security from us. And so instead of finding these arbitrary rules and games to try to pretend and present as someone who's secure and confident, instead do that inner work so you can be someone who's secure and confident. And then you don't need all of these arbitrary rules. So like, yeah, be easy to live with, but like, think about like, why are you not easy to live with? It's probably because your nervous system isn't regulated. That's, that's really it. Like, and so instead of like pretending to be easy to live with, because you're not going to succeed at that, like you can pretend in the beginning, but like at some point you're going to snap, you're not going to be able to control yourself. Instead, just address the underlying issue, which probably is a dysregulated nervous system. And then you will be much easier to live with. So yeah, like my thing with the rules, like there are some of them that I think are fine or are great, but ultimately what they're trying to get you to do is like not be needy, not be desperate, not be clingy, and instead be like very confident and secure and be someone who really radiates and shines. But the thing is, the way to get there is to actually acknowledge where you're at and own where you're at and not have shame over where you're at and then do the inner work, do the trauma release, do the nervous system regulation, do all of this work so that you actually can be the best, the most confident, the most secure version of yourself and then you don't need these fucking games. So that's my two cents on that and if you want more resources for how to get there, fucking check out the Blush Academy. Like, I don't say this to promote my own business or to, like, get a few doll hairs. I say this because... I was that girl who was reading these books and finding these rules and trying to play these games to show up as this version of myself. And I never succeeded this way because the thing is like you can only pretend for so long. Eventually the mask will fall. But when you do that inner work, like the work that got me to where I am now and the work that's going to get me to the next level of myself, the next iteration of myself, because I'm no 
nowhere near where I want to be yet. I'm still going upwards. But it is this work. It's the nervous system regulation. It's the balancing your hormones. It's the releasing of the trauma. It's the mental rehearsal. It's the neural rewiring practices. It's that work that can actually get you to be this version. Like playing these games, following these rules did not fucking work for me. But that nervous system work and that... um neural rewiring actually did get me there. I now do have that relationship and it's no thanks to the rules and it's all thanks to the inner work. And that's what I teach now. So like when I promote the Blush Academy, it really truly is not about the money for me. It's because this is what I needed when I was in my 20s. It's what I needed when I was in my teens. It's fuck, it's what I need. It's what I need now. It's what I still do. I do the Blush Academy work every day and I keep becoming a better version of myself. So I'm so passionate about it because it's it's given me everything those self-help books I hoped would give me but couldn't give me because they're bogus, because they focus way too much on what's on, on the surface and not what's going on behind the scenes that'll actually get you there. Um, also, if you want a chance at winning a membership to the Blush Academy, be sure to enter the giveaway. It's a new month, so we're doing a whole new giveaway. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is just leave a review for the podcast at the end of the month. I randomly select a winner. It's that easy. Um, Okay, so to wrap up the show, we're doing our gratefuls. And just a quick reminder, sorry if you're hearing this every week, but repetition is good, right? Um, The reason we do gratefuls is because practicing gratitude trains your brain to look for the good things in life. And it's actually clinically proven to make you a happier person. So instead of following some bogus arbitrary rules for how to come off as like a happy and bubbly, you know, creature unlike any other, you can practice gratitude, which will actually chemically make you happier. It literally strengthens the part of your brain that looks for the good things. The only key is you have to list new things every time. You don't want to just repeat yourself because it's the process of scanning for good things that is actually really like building and strengthening that neural uh, pathway, that part of your brain that looks for the good things, which in turn then allows you to feel happier. So I end the show every week by listing three things that I'm grateful for this week, and I try to make them new. And I invite you as you're listening with me to think of three things that you're grateful for either this week or today and to try to make them new. So the first thing that I'm grateful for this week is... Oh, 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 it's fucking sunny again after weeks of rain and drear. And I mean, like fucking straight up flooding in New York City. The sun is back and I am grateful as fuck for that. (sighs) Okay, number two. Um, Oh, I found a new fruit stand near me. Well, like somewhat near me that has the best figs and the best papayas. So I'm grateful for that. Both excellent fruits, by the way, to get the bowels moving, if that's something for you. And um, I am grateful for having a partner who is constantly getting better at communicating and really like is so astute and deep without like even realizing that he is and just like really is capable of voicing his emotions and his thoughts and his feelings and his insecurities because that like 
that's what I'm all about, baby. And it just makes it a lot easier to be in a relationship where someone can have that introspection and be like, oh, this is where I'm coming from. Like when I say this, it's actually from this insecure part of me. So yeah, that's really cool. I'm I'm really grateful for him in general as a human being and for being in my life. But this one specific thing about him, I don't know that I've ever like really voiced it and been grateful for it, especially because like the origins of him. I mean, I used to refer to him as bad communicator, you know, like he really has come a long way. This is an example of like people do change, but I never entered a relationship like I think that when you enter a relationship with someone, you should be like, if they were to never change, would I be okay with how they are right now? And if the answer is no, break up with them because you cannot bank on someone changing. Like, take them as they are. You can hope for the best that they'll improve in certain areas. Um, And, you know, like, I don't like, it's fine to want to be with someone who's always evolving and growing and you're going to evolve and grow together. Like that's a really beautiful thing, but you should not be entering into a relationship thinking that, um, like it'll be good when it'll be good if, you know, like it should already be good. And if not, don't date that person. Um, okay. So would love to hear what you're grateful for this week. Maybe you could pop that in the comment section um, or like the discussion section if you're watching on Spotify. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It's akin to tipping your waiter. Um, share this episode, please. With If you've already rate, rated, reviewed, and subscribed, then share this episode with someone who you think would take something from it. And let's not lie to ourselves. This is fucking fire content. And we want want more people watching slash listening because here's the thing. We want more people that are on our wavelength and our wavelength is like actually doing the inner work and being a better person and thereby improving the entire world, you know, like no more fake rules and games bullshit. Like let's all help each other be the best version of ourselves and then we can live in a better world. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and um, we will chat next week. Oh shit, I forgot to mention last week I may have misspoke. I think I said the nervous system course was coming out in two weeks. I was wrong. It's coming out October 17th. Sorry, I think the camera stopped recording. Um, it's coming out October 17th, which is um, three weeks from now. Okay, I'm going to go check on the camera. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.